Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Hey, good morning. Man, I'm excited to see you today. Uh, I'm excited about today. Um, I have had one cup of coffee and that's all I need because I'm so pumped about uh, this series that we're kicking off today called This Is Why We Do. We're going to um, jump into this. Let's just, let's just do it. Let's not like uh, spend some time like getting to, you know, ease into it. Let's just, let's just jump into it. Have you ever, have you ever walked up on something and you kind of looked at them like, you know, um, you walk up on something at the beach that's happening and you see like a whole group of people and they're like, you know, you know, yoga or Tai Chi or something, and you kind of look at them and you go, why are they doing that? Which is a dangerous question because people are weird, right? Or (laughs) some of you, I know some of you are people watchers, and you like go to the mall or the water park, hello, and you look at people and you're like, what's going on with them? Like, what's their deal? What's their story? Um, and, and you wonder, like, I wonder why they're doing that. I, um, I have uh, four kids, uh, Lex, Cole, Ava, and Truett. Uh, Lex is 12, 10, uh, 6, and 3. And when the two oldest, the 12 and the 10-year-old, they were, um, I think they were probably 3 and 1 at the time. We were... Um, we were living here. We had just moved to Hampton Road, so this is back in 2010, um, and we were living in an apartment just off Great Bridge uh, Boulevard near um, Oak Grove uh, Methodist Church, uh, right there. If you're familiar with it, at the time it was called Great Bridge Apartments or something like that. I think it's I think it's a different name now, but anyway, we were there, um, and our boys were little, and Hope and I were just we're just chilling in the in the living room um, and just kind of watching TV or something, and. And we noticed that our kids, Lex and Cole, they, they were real quiet, which exactly is the first warning sign. So they're quiet, and we, like, you know, at the, we weren't fresh, but we weren't as seasoned as we are now. So um, we, uh, we, like, hey, they're real quiet. This is great, man. This is awesome. And then we're like, wait a second. We need to check on them. So we go into, I think they were both in Cole's room at the time. And we opened the door, and this billow of cloud just engulfs both of us. Turns out it was baby powder, and they had gotten into the baby powder and completely dumped, you know those big, like, industrial size, like, daycare center size baby powder things? We had, like, two of them. They completely emptied both of them, and the whole room was just a cloud of baby powder. They were covered. We were actually kind of nervous because we thought they had breathed it in, and so we're, we're kind of getting scared, but, but in a not-so-great dad moment and in a not-so- meek voice, I look at my oldest and I said, what are you doing? <laughs> and then this, you know, you ask your kids some dumb questions. Like, I, like this three-year-old is going to be able to answer my question. And I look at him and I said, why in the world would you do that, son? He's just having fun, man. But, um, but question for you, have you ever asked that question about this place? 
Have you ever asked that question? Like, some of you ask that question, you're like, yeah, I know, it's kind of crazy people, but, but really, like, look around, man. Like, if you were here last week, you know this room doesn't look this way. This isn't, like, we don't show up on Sunday morning and somebody's done all this. No, there are people, plug for the portable church team, there are people, hello, who show up, get this, this is crazy. They show up on Saturday afternoon, in the middle of the weekend, when they got stuff to do, like they give up their only day off to come here and be here at 2 o'clock to set this up. And then again, plug for the portable church team, some of you are going to stay late today, and you're going to help tear the whole thing down. If that's not you, maybe you just got recruited. Hello. But, but why, why do they do that? Why, why are there men and women that call Vertical Church home who sacrifice 10, 15, 20% of their income and give it every week or every month to this house so that ministry can... Why do, they, why do you do that? Why do you serve? Why do you... Why, why is there a whole team of people who through the week, they get their, their, their material for their kids' class and they pour over it and they let the Lord pour it into them so that today they're not babysitting kids. They're ministering under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to your kids and my... Why? Why? Why do we... Why, why do people give up Friday nights to get together with church people? Why during the year, during the spring and the fall, why do we give up a night of our week to go to discipleship track? Like, I can read the Bible on my own, but why is it that we want people to, to, to connect and plug in? Why is it that we stand to sing on Sundays? Why do we gather? Why do you wake up in the morning, brush your teeth and comb your hair to get here for church? I think we ought to ask that question. Why? And here, here's the deal, okay? Uh, Josh, you can go to the, to the next one. Every organization answers the same three questions. Churches, businesses, every organization answers the question, what, how, and why? What are we doing? Every, every place answers that question. Chick-fil-A answers that question. What are we doing? We're serving chicken sandwiches, chicken nuggets, and the best sweet tea known to man. All right? Like, that's what we do. That's, that's, that's the what of Chick-fil-A, right? How do we do it? We do it in such a way that we say, it's my pleasure. Think about the culture of Chick-fil-A. Like, don't you want that? Like, wherever you work, like, like I am convinced that if we put like Chick-fil-A in charge of like road construction, bridges would be built in a week. Because have you ever, how long, okay, let's be honest, 90% of the time, what's the longest you've ever waited in a, in a drive through line at Chick-fil-A? They go, like I could pull up to McDonald's and there's like two cars in front of me and I'm there for 30 minutes. I can go to Chick-fil-A and there's 30 cars in front of me and I, they're like taking my order within five minutes and I'm leaving. It's amazing. So, so what do they do? They serve chicken. How do they do it? They do it with a culture of like, it's my pleasure, man. This is my, it is my honor to give you this chicken sandwich. That's how you feel, right? Like, I love it. And then I don't know Chick-fil-A's why, but I think their why is because we need Christian chicken. Like, we need some God-anointed chicken. I don't know why they, they exist, but 
but I know that they know, right? Like, because every organization has a what, a how, and a why. A what are we doing? How do we do it here? What's different about us? How do, we, how do we do what we're doing, but how do we do it here? And then why? What, what is at the heart? What, in the very core motivation of our being, what is that driving influence? Well, if we go to the next one here at Vertical Church, our what isn't that distinctive, right? Like uh, we have, um, you know, our worship experiences, Sunday morning, right? Um, we, we got student ministry and we got the VIP team. That's great. Like they welcome when you come into church. We got, we got outreach and, and, and financial generosity. Like we take up an offering and we encourage people to tithe and, and, and steward their, their resources. We got kids ministry, serve teams, small groups, discipleship tracks. Here's the deal. That what pretty much looks like every church, you know, let's face it, okay? What we do here isn't that strange. Uh, we, we may do it in a different way. We may be a, loud, we may be a bit louder. Uh, we may be a bit quieter than you're used to. Um, we may be shorter. Like today's worship experience may not be as long as you're used to. It may be longer. Um, than you're used to. So there's some differences, but what we're doing, every church, like pretty much every mainstream evangelical Christian church, they're going to have some kind of Sunday gathering, right? Um, They're going to reach out to their community and try to serve people. They're going to encourage people to give financially. They may not call them VIP. They may call them ushers or, you know, uh, greeters, right? They have that student ministry. They may call it Sunday school instead of small groups or discipleship tracks, you know, then they call it something else, but they're doing the same thing. Our what, your what rarely makes you unique because a lot of people are doing the same what. So then if we take it down a measure to how, if we go to the next one, uh, how do we do it here? These are our, our, our core values. This is the culture that you come in contact with. When you, when you experience Vertical Church, this is that, that it's my pleasure of Chick-fil-A. This is the the unspoken but impactful culture that we want you to feel. So we talk about things like, you know, when we do worship experiences, we, be, we do them in such a way because we believe we're better together. And so we're going to pray for each other. We're going to have a time at our end, of our end of our experience to pray one for another because we believe we're better together, community. Like, that's important to us. Um, uh, we never settle, so we're going to make tweaks every week because we believe amazing is possible so we don't settle for average. Like, that's the how. How do we do what we do here? What, another way of answering that question is, what kind of people are we going to be? while we're doing what we do. What's going to be the defining characteristic? It's not what, it's how. It's, it's that we are people who risk the deep, man. When God says move, we move. Whether it makes sense or not, we stay, take, take steps of bold, audacious faith into the unknown, believing that God's gonna be there with us. That's how we do what we do, okay? So then the last question, of course, is, well, why do we do it all? Why do we do it? And here for the last nine years, we've answered that question this way. We exist to point those far from God to life in Jesus. That's been our why um, for, like I said, nine, nine years. And I, I want to be honest, like it's good. <laughs> it's a good why. That's biblical, okay? Nobody's going to look at us and say, I don't think your why lines up with Scripture. <laughs> no, it does, right? 
like go into all the world, you know, preach the good news, baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, Jesus, all that. Like that's that, right? Like we point people to Jesus, you know. But about eight to ten months ago, God started stirring up something. Um, started stirring up something in my heart and in conversations with other people, just asking them, hey, what do you think God's doing? And, and they, would, they, would, uh, they, they would describe something similar, even if they didn't know what the Lord was doing in our whole community together. And, um, and the Lord just started asking, and he would, he would like wake me up, and he'd be like, hey, why does your church exist? And I would say, well, Lord, we exist. Here's why, God, to point those far from God to life in Jesus. And he said, no, 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 no. Why does your church exist? Why does vertical church exist? Why did I want a vertical church in Hampton Roads, Virginia, nine years ago? And that answer, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, 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 would, I would answer that, Lord. Well, well God, like, like it's to, to point those far from God to life in Jesus. That's why we exist. And the more I said it and the more I looked at it, it just started feeling empty. It, again, I don't want to, it's good. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a perfectly fine answer. But there are three things that really started getting on my nerves about it. Number one, it's good, but it's really generic. Think about it. What Christian Bible-believing church could you not apply that to? Why does your church exist? To point people who are far from God to life in Jesus. It's not descriptive. It, you could, any denomination, you could stick that on there and it'd fit. You could be Baptist, Methodist, Episcopalian, and yeah, works. It's generic. It, it's kind of like vanilla ice cream. Like, everybody's happy. Vanilla, it's good. I'm, I'm good. But nobody's, like, excited about vanilla. Like, you don't show up at a, at a party and I'm like, they've got vanilla ice cream. No. Why? Because it's generic. You're not disappointed, right? It's vanilla. It's good. It's fine. But it, it, doesn't, it doesn't stir the heart. And it doesn't, it doesn't challenge the limits of your imagination. Good. And then in another conversation uh, with, with Johan, actually he said in one of our, our meetings, we were just kind of talking about it, off to the side. It wasn't even a, like I don't even know if he knew how, how, how much he gave voice to something I couldn't put words to but felt. He said, he said well, you know, it's just kind of felt passive to me. And I was like, that's it. Yes. And I, I was like, so I wanted to know, like, what, what did you mean by that? And he said, well, we exist to point those far from God. It's kind of like people show up needing Jesus and we just say, he's over there. I'm not going to take you to him. <laughs> like, don't expect that of me. Like, I'm not going to take you to Jesus. I'm just going, yeah, he's there. He, I'm sure he'd be happy to meet you. <laughs> he's there. You find him right there. He is. Look at him right there. Okay, cool. And I was like, yes, that, that, so that, that gives voice to the feeling that I was like, God, it doesn't, doesn't do anything. And the third thing, the more I just reflected on it, a lot of you don't know this. Uh, very few of you were actually here when Vertical Church started. Um, several people on this side of the room, I think a couple over here, uh, three, four, maybe just kind of looking out, making a guess, probably in the room, maybe a handful uh, or two handfuls, I should say, of people. 
Um, but when Vertical Church started, we had a different lead pastor. We had this, this elderly gentleman um, who came out of retirement uh, to, to, to help start the church. And, and I'm just going to be completely vulnerable and honest with you, okay? I wrote this statement. I wrote it in my office when our church was starting. And the reason I wrote it is because our lead pastor at the time looked at, looked at us in a staff meeting and said, well, we've got a church. We need to have a mission statement. Hey, Josh, go write us one. You're creative. Go, go write one. So I went in my office, sat down at my computer. I've never written a mission statement for a church before. I've, I've read plenty of books on how to do it, but I've never actually done it. And I'm going to be real, okay? I didn't pray about it. I didn't seek the Lord about it. I got online and I went to elevationchurch.org because Stephen Furtick, hello, if anybody's got a mission statement, it's that guy. And so, so I got on there. I was like, okay, there's something like um, something about far from God, life in Jesus. And I was like, oh, that's really good. That's cool. That could be, it's working there. It's working in Charlotte. Maybe it'll work here. So I grabbed it and I said, well, let's change a couple of words. I went onto a couple other websites, thesaurus.com, right? Hello. And, um, and I came up with it, took it to the next meeting. I said, here you go. All right, looks good. That's our mission as a church. Never bathed in prayer. It's good. Like I said, it's biblical, man, but it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't stir my heart. And for many of you, you thought, hey, that's really good. And we've gotten excited about it from time to time. But I think the Lord's just doing something new, man, just doing a different thing. And after about eight to 10 months of just praying and fasting and reading the Bible and, and talking to people in our church, and, and some of you were in conversations, you didn't even know you were in those conversations that was helping shape the why of our church. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to drop it on you, and then I'm going to break it down for you. Okay, so today, here's, here's why we're doing this series, because we're changing our why. We're changing the why we exist. From this point on, we've got some signs we've got to change, but from this point on, our why answer is no longer going to be to point those far from God to life in Jesus. Here's what it's going to be. Go ahead, Josh, to the next one. Here's why we exist. We exist to lead people to pursue the presence of God so that they openly display his love, grace, and power throughout Hampton Roads. We exist, here's why, why do you exist? We exist to lead people because Jesus is crazy about people. Jesus died for people. Jesus didn't die for a church. He didn't die for an organization. He didn't, he didn't die for a company or a business. He died for people. So we exist to lead people. Well, what do you want to lead them to? To the presence of God. Because it's our core conviction that, that there are things that need to change in your life that will never change until you get into the presence of God. Right. And we'll talk about that here in just a second. Well, that's what we're doing. That's, that's, our, that's our contribution. What's the result? What's the result of our contribution? Our contribution is to lead people to pursue the presence of God. The result is so that they, you, me, everybody that our church leads to pursue the presence of God, openly displays. We don't hide it. We don't put up a veil. We don't, we don't mask it. We display the love, grace, and power of God. Where? Everywhere? Yes, everywhere, but specifically here. Hampton Roads. This is where he's assigned us. 
If you're here, if you're military and you're stationed here for two years and you're calling this church your home, this is your assignment while you're in Hampton Roads. Well, what about other places? What about other countries? We're going to get there, but we got to start here. we got to start right here in our neighborhood. So here's our purpose, to lead people to pursue the presence of God, not to have a pep rally not to put on a nice show, not to give a motivational speech or be a social club, to lead people to pursue the presence of God so that they display openly, openly display His love, grace, and power throughout Hampton Roads. So what does it mean? I'm gonna break this down for you in several different components. So the first part, that top line, we exist to lead people to pursue the presence of God. What does that mean? If you're a note taker, you may wanna take notes. I don't know, write this down on the back of your program. All right, I've already, I've already preached myself hoarse, so water break. What does it mean to lead people to pursue the presence of God? Pastor Josh, aren't we always in the presence of God? The Bible says that he's not far from any of us. Aren't we always in the presence of God? Why do we need to lead people to pursue his presence? Aren't we already in his presence? And the answer is yes. On one hand, yes. God is omnipresent. Uh, He's everywhere. Absolutely, yes. He's always near. Um, Paul says he's not far from any of us. Um, he's, He's always there. Uh, he holds the world in his hand, so he's always there. As far as the east is from the west, you know, he separates us from our sins. We're never kicked out of his presence, all that stuff. Yes, we're, we're always in his presence. And yes, he has committed to always be there, right? Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll go with you to the very ends of the earth. So in, in, in a way, yes, yes. And then on the other hand, there is this sense that he's not with us from time to time. Or maybe even a better way to put it, there's this sense that I'm not with him. You know what I mean? There are these, there are these times in our lives, maybe it's because of neglect. You know, Jesus told his disciples, follow me. Why would he say, follow me, if he wasn't on the move? And if he wasn't moving, don't you think we need to follow him? So what if we, yes, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you, and he moves and we stay still. So there is this sense that while, yes, God is everywhere, always present, no, we're not always with him. Maybe it's because of neglect. Maybe it's because of a lifestyle of sin. Maybe there's a sin in our life that has has, has created a, a barrier between us so that we don't experience his presence in the fullness that we can because of that sin. Here's... Here's the experience. Um, the, let, let's use this word and I'll define it for you so that we can all be working with the same language. God's manifest presence is not our constant experience. What does that mean, Pastor? What does it mean? What is that manifest word? Manifest, what is that? It's, it's just a word that means clear and obvious. It's a, it's a Fancy word, it sounds good, it's a good English word. It means clear and obvious. And here's what happens. When God's presence is clear and obvious, when his presence is is overt and unmistakable, the result 
is we experience God. We, we, we experience his presence when his presence is clear and obvious. And here's what happens when we experience God. The manifest presence, remember clear and obvious, so I'm going to use that word, but I'm going to stop defining it. The manifest presence of God is transformational. In other words, when God's presence is clear and obvious, it changes the atmosphere of that place. The atmosphere shifts. It, it changes. Let me give you a couple of examples um, from, <clears throat> from Scripture. I'm not going to read the Scripture. I'm just going to reference the story. Um, Peter, in Acts chapter 5, verse 15, it says that Peter would be walking the streets and the people would bring the sick out into the streets so that by chance Peter's shadow might fall over them and they would experience healing. Why is that significant? Because, because here's the deal. Our shadow always releases whatever overshadows us. Let me say that again. Our shadow will always release whatever overshadows us. So just on an individual level, like Peter, when we are pursuing the presence of God, when we are pursuing his face, his goodness, his grace, when we are going after him and we're spending that time in his presence, his overshadowing will release breakthrough in our lives. More, we will experience more breakthrough by accident than if we strove for breakthrough in our natural ability. Scripture says, Psalm chapter 16 says, in his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures evermore. What does that mean? That means that in his presence, the atmosphere shifts. There's a change. I go from despair and sorrow, but when I get into his presence, I experience joy in life. But then it also happens on a macro level. Check this out. In Acts chapter 2, there are 120 men and women in a room. And it says, it says they're all in one Honda. <laughs> they're all in one accord. Um, right? Yeah, it's not a comet. <laughs> it's not a comet. <laughs> it's not a laugh club, but I appreciate your laughs. So all 120 people are in the upper room, and they're pursuing the presence of God. And the Spirit falls. And the Spirit drives them out of the upper room into the streets of Jerusalem. Now, just a few weeks ago, seven weeks ago, the streets of Jerusalem were filled with the cries and the chants of crucify him. Crucify him. Then 120 people get together in a room pursue the presence of God with everything they have, bust out into the streets. Their experience of God shifts the atmosphere of an entire city. And the city goes from crucify him to Peter, what do we got to do to get saved? What is that? A whole city is changed and shifted because 
a group of people decided we would rather have the presence of God than anything else. When the prevailing culture of a community is the pursuit of the presence of God, hunger is birthed in people's lives. 120 people change an entire city and the only thing they do is they go to a room and they worship until the spirit falls. So what does it mean to pursue the presence of God? It means, it means to continual seeking. It means, it means to seek more of his strength, more of his, of his, of his glory, more of his, of his face. It's seeking God is, is, is setting our heart's affection and our mind's attention on him. Our heart's affection, so it is emotional. It does, it does include your emotionality, and it's your mind's attention. It's your, 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 your logic, your intelligence, your wisdom. It's setting your whole life in focus to God. It's continual pursuit. So that's what we want to do. We want to lead people to pursue, to seek after, to set their mind's attention and their heart's affection on the presence of God. We want to lead people. What people? What people do we want to lead? I'm going to, so, so we want to lead, here, here we go, and then, and then we'll actually take these one at a time. We want to lead lost people to pursue the presence of God so that they become found, so that they can openly display. Okay, see that? We want to lead lost people to pursue the, oh, you go back one. Yep, lead lost people to pursue the presence of God so that they, finish the sentence. We don't, but, but also we, we want to, we want, we exist to lead not just lost people to be found. We want to, we want to lead found people to be freed. Why? So that they can openly display his love, grace, and power. But then we don't even stop there. We want to we lead free people to be filled so that they can openly display his love, grace, and power throughout Hampton Road. So let's take those one at a time, okay? Here we go. We want to lead lost people to be found so that they can openly display his love, grace, and power throughout Hampton Roads. Here's the deal. I recognize we are in 2019. And to label people lost feels a bit old school. <laughs> feels a bit like, I don't, I don't think that's really politically correct. Can we just call them unchurched? Can we call them not yet? Like, can we call them something else? Here's the thing. Jesus called them that. Jesus had no problem calling, saying, like, you're lost. Now, I'm not... I'm not telling you we need to leave here and go find people and be like, you're lost. <laughs> we don't need to do that, but we need to understand the people that, we're, we're, that we want to lead into the presence of God. And so we want to lead lost people. Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, he said, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus wasn't afraid to say that there are people who are lost. What does that, what does it mean? Like they're, they're lost. It, it, it means Jesus is saying, listen, my mission, my purpose, my why, what? I heal people. I, I, I uh, do some miracles. I, uh, I feed the 5,000. How do I do it? I do it into the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. Why do I do it? To seek and to save those who are lost. 
Those who are, Scripture will, will, will describe them as wandering stars. Scripture will talk about lost people, and, and, and Paul will describe them as being blinded by the enemy. That's what it means. What does it mean to be lost? It means to be blinded. Jesus says, Jesus says it means to not know the way. You're, you're lost. You, you, don't, you don't know the way. Jesus describes lost people in one point. He said he looked at the crowd and he had compassion on them because they were sheep without a shepherd. Does it mean to be lost? It means it's, it's the same experience of like, where do I go? I, I'm a sheep, but I don't have a shepherd. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm lost. And, and here's what the Lord is just kind of opening, opening my eyes to in our church. <clears throat> How many of us actually realize that there are people in our lives who are, who are lost? Like we, that, that, that we are actually cognizant that the people we work with, they're lost. They're they're not just bad people. They don't just make bad decisions. They're not just struggling. They don't just have a different lifestyle. They haven't just made different choices. No, they're lost. They're wandering. They've been blinded by the enemy. They're sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus wants us to open our eyes and see that they're lost. They're dying. Scripture will describe them as being dead in their sins. Do we even know that? Have we become so numb that we think everybody's fine? They're not. There are people who are lost and they need to be found. Are, do we... Not, I'm not angry at you, okay? If you sense anger, what you're seeing is, is, uh, is compassion. And it's like church, we gotta open our eyes. Everybody's not okay. We don't, have to be, we don't have to be rude about it. We don't have to be mean or ugly. We don't have to be judgmental. But we have to recognize everybody's not found. They're lost. We don't have to use fear tactics and we don't have to go up to them and say, do you know if you die right now, you're gonna to go to hell, burn forever. No, we don't have to do that because that's not love, grace, and power. That's fear and God never works through fear. In fact, God said in the Bible, he said, perfect love casts fear out of the door. So we don't use fear to find lost people. We openly display the love, grace, and power of God so that the lost are found. But on another hand, like some of, us, some of us struggle with recognizing that there are, in fact, lost people because we just think everybody's okay. Well, you know, they serve a different God. No, they serve a demon, okay? Like, I'm just being real with you, all right? I'm not trying to be... That's the truth, man. It's like a demon God. They're lost, and they need to be found. Some of us struggle recognizing that they're actually lost. Others of us struggle with our attitude towards lost people. Do lost people get on your nerves? Do they annoy you? Do you get frustrated at their lostness? Do you see them as outsiders? Do you avoid having conversations with them? Do you see them as a problem 
to be fixed? Do you see them as somebody to be tolerated? To be avoided? Jesus didn't see them like that at all. Jesus wants us to open our eyes and see lost people, see them as hurting and broken, but then just like Jesus, respond with compassion, not frustration. Respond with love, not anger. I don't have to be mad at you because you're lost. In fact, God calls me his ambassador. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Sent into this world as if God was making his appeal through us. What does that mean? It means we're sent into the world to openly display the love, grace, and power of God. We're his ambassadors. So we pursue his presence so we can openly display his love that finds lost people. Number two, the next one. So, oh, you go to the next one. We lead lost people to be found, but what about found people? Here's, here's a realization um, that, that, that we have in our church. Especially as we look out over church, Christianity, Church in America, church in Hampton Roads, vertical church. There are a lot of people who are found. Like, you're good. You're saved. It's awesome. It really is. It's wonderful. It's a miracle. It's a beautiful thing. You're good. You're in relationship with Jesus. You've got a ticket to heaven, all right? You're, you're set. You're found, but you're not free. Let me, just, let me just level with you, man. There are, there are a lot of people in our churches, in our church, in our church right now, you're still bound up. You've been found. You've, you've welcomed the love of God to fill your life. You're found, but you're still living in fear. You're still bound to that addiction. You're still hung up on that habit. You're still struggling with the same mindsets that, 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 that you've had for years and the same thought patterns still afflict your life. You see, the truth is there are things in our lives that even though we're found, they can keep us locked up. We're found, but we're not free. We're not free to be who God has called and created us to be. The big Bible word here is sanctification. Holiness. See, here's the deal, man. I was in a conversation one time um, with a guy who is, came out of a very legalistic church tradition. The idea of holiness completely turned him off because to him, holiness was judgmentalism. It was judgmental. You're just judging me. You just got this standard. Everybody's got to live up to this strict core. I was like, no, 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 bro. <laughs> holiness isn't the absence of sin. It's the presence of God. That's what, when we say holiness here, what do we mean? It, means? it means leading found people to pursue the presence of God so that they can be freed. Holiness is the, is the, is the presence of God. God, God said, uh, be holy as I am holy. Only in relationship with me, only in a pursuit of my presence can you actually be holy. God has a plan and a process in us, to, in, in place to set us free. Jesus said this, John chapter 8. Verse 36, he said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free. 
Indeed, most assuredly, most certainly, if the Son, if, number one, it's not a certainty that you're already free. You see that? If. Number two, you probably need to get free. Because why would John put the word if the son sets you free if he was already free and if everybody was already free? The fact that the, that the, the, that the words are there tell us that it's possible to be found and bound, to be locked up. So here's what I, I, I want you to come into church. I want you to come into vertical church, found person, with the expectation that there's freedom in Christ, that he, Jesus, wants to free you, that he wants to set you free, that he wants to break strongholds in your life, that he wants to heal your physical body, that he wants to loose those chains, that he wants to, to bring breakthrough into your life. That is his desire that you would be set free. What good is it to gain the whole world and have a locked up soul? So I want you to know you're in a church that loves you enough to tell you, listen, that thing that you've been struggling with, that anger that you've been, that you've been tripping over for years, bro, there's freedom in Christ. There's freedom. Ma'am, that, that, that mindset that you have of your self-worth and value, I want you to know you don't have to live that way. There's freedom in Jesus. That addiction that every time you'll go off of it for a month, two months, and you'll be so excited. You'll be celebrating milestones. And then in a moment of weakness, you binge on the thing that you thought had been broken in your life. I want you to know there's freedom for you. Our church exists to lead you, found person, to pursue the presence of God. Because in the presence of God, the grace of Jesus can do this for you. You can be free in a moment. That hurt, that pain, that fear, that terror, that proclivity, that addiction, that mindset, that habit, it can be broken by the power of Jesus Christ. Number three, what kind of people are we leading to pursue the presence of God? So we got, we got lost people found. We want to lead found people to be free. And the last one is we want to lead free people to be filled, specifically with the Holy Spirit. We want to lead free people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We spent a whole four weeks on this in our last series called Wind and Fire. If you missed it, check it out. It's on YouTube. Wind and fire. We want you to be filled with the, with the Holy Spirit. And I want to read, I'm not going to say much, but I'm going to read this passage of Scripture to you because there are two things that just jumped out of this. And it's such a popular passage when talking about the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Look at this, look at this, look at this. 
It's one thing to be found, okay? It's another thing to be freed. But your ultimate destination, your ultimate assignment in life is not to come to church and sit in a seat for an hour and a half every week. The ultimate calling and assignment for your life is that the Holy Spirit would come on you and fill you and that you would be his witness. That's your assignment. That you would be his witness. This world is your courtroom. And every day you have an opportunity to openly display the love that found you, the grace that freed you, and the power that fills you so that others could be, could be witness to the transformation that's happening in your life every day. Listen, church. Our Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, that's Chesapeake, Virginia Beach, Portsmouth and Norfolk. That's, that's Greenbrier and Kempsville and Ghent and, and, and Great Bridge. That's Princess Anne. That's, that's Naval Station Norfolk. Portsmouth Naval Shipyard. That's Battlefield Boulevard. That's, that's High Street. That's Military Highway. That's Cedar Road. That's Lynn Haven Parkway. That's Great Bridge High School. That's Princess Anne Middle School. That's Apple Tree Learning Center on Executive Boulevard. We exist to, to, to lead people to pursue the presence of God. We exist to lead found or lost people to be found, found people to be freed, free people to be filled so that they can be witnesses. They can openly display. That's what it means to be a witness is to openly display his love, grace, and power. In our Jerusalem, our Judea, and our Samaria, we're part of this story. We're, we're part of the Acts story, man. What God did in there, he, he wants to do for us. As we move from one city to the next, to the next town, and we keep going to, to this street and that neighborhood and this complex and that building and, 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 and the manifest presence of God, the clear and obvious presence of God just begins to emanate from this place and saturates all of Hampton Roads. That's our why, to pursue the presence and display his love, grace, and power all over Hampton Roads. Check this out. Check this out, though. I saw this this week. This, this blew my mind. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So when he comes on you, you'll be his witness. The Holy Spirit is in me for my benefit. He comes on me for yours. The Holy Spirit lives in me to bring me closer, to help me pursue the presence of God, to help me display his love, grace, and power. But he comes on me for the benefit of others. And when he comes on us, church, there's an atmospheric shift that takes place. The environment is charged by the Holy Spirit. When he comes on us, we carry his presence wherever we go. 
It's as if we were his ambassadors telling the world about him. And so as we, here's the thing, as we are faithful to pursue his presence so that we can display his love, grace, and power, we find another tension that we see in this verse. We have been given his presence without measure. No point does God measure out and says, you can only have this much presence. We've been given his presence without measure, but we set the limits of the measure we experience by the amount that we are willing to pursue his presence and be found, freed, and filled. The measure that we're willing to pursue the presence of God and ourselves be found by his love, be freed by his grace, and be filled with his power. The measure we are willing to pursue is the same measure of the presence that we experience. So what do we do? Why do we exist as a church? We exist to lead lost people to pursue the presence of God and be found. We exist to lead found people to pursue the presence of God and be freed. We exist to lead freed people to pursue the presence of God and be filled so that they, the found, the freed, and the filled together openly display his love, grace, and power throughout Hampton Roads. We openly display the love of the Father, the grace of the Son, the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, y'all, if this is your home church, like if, 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 this, is, if this is your where you're setting up shop, this is why we do it. This is our why. This is why we exist. This is, this is why God said, let there be vertical church in Hampton Roads before any of us even knew it, before we ever even realized it. This is why. This is the journey that he's been taking us on for the last year. Um, um, one, of our, one of our owners shared a word with us right before about God doing a new thing and there was a seed that had to die and, and now it's pushing out of the ground. Listen, y'all, this is that seed. This is the thing that died, that had to die. It had to be buried. And it's, pardon my, pardon my English, but it sucked having to go through that season of death. And, and one of the, I screamed for like 30 minutes one Sunday talking about it. Look at it on YouTube. I don't know which week it was, but you can find it. Now we're ready to sprout. We're ready to bloom because we know why we exist. We, it, had, it had gotten confused. It had gotten in all the jarble, all the jumble of doing church. We forgot, but now we know. Oh, we exist to pursue your presence, God. We exist to lead people to pursue your presence so that they can display openly your love, grace, and power. So what's your next step? Okay, how, do you, how can you best respond to this? I've got four minutes, to three minutes to give you a next step. If you want to go ahead, if you play on the keyboard, I'll keep talking and people won't realize how long it's been. <laughs> what's your next step? Here you go. August 21st, or August 21st, August 4th, we're kicking off 21 days of prayer. And I think it's appropriate 
that, that in this series, that we're going to be in this series when we kick off 21 days of prayer. And so August 4th through August 24th, we want to encourage you to be praying every day. We have resources. We have resources online, but we're going to have more available to you. Uh, here's what we're going to do. In the past, we've met five nights a week, Monday through Friday. And our experience has been that usually two of those nights are really well attended, and other three, it's like three of us, you know? Like two nights, we'll have 10, 12 people, and then three nights a week, it'll be like me, Dave, Hope, and Pastor Brian or Pastor Kelly. It's like, this is great. It's great. It is great. The Lord moves, and it's so awesome. But, but this year, here's what we're doing. Two days a week, Monday and Wednesday, 7 o'clock, my house. Monday and Wednesday, not every night. It's not so much that you just don't even realize it's happening. You got two opportunities a week during these three weeks, Monday and Wednesday, 7 o'clock, 21 days of prayer. We're, we're go, here, what are we praying? This is what we're praying. <laughs> Lord, here's our Why? God, here's where you've led us. Here's the journey you've brought us on. Now, God, let this seed grow. We're going we're to water this seed. We're going to fertilize this seed. We're going to pull some weeds, hello, out of, this, out of the ground of this seed in prayer. We're to let the sun shine, hit this seed. 21 days of prayer. Number two, another step, ownership classes, two weeks. July 28th, if you're not an owner, you need to be an ownership class. If this is your home church and you're like, I'm in, but you're not an owner, July 28th, ownership class, four o'clock, information of that's in your program. Number three, next step. Next week, we're continuing this series. <laughs> this is why we do. And for however many weeks the Lord leads us, we're gonna keep unpacking this. It's not going to look like today. I'm not going to preach the same sermon. But we're going to unpack. Okay, if that's why we do it, how do we do it here? There's a lot of meat still left on these bones. We're going to, we're, we're going to get it all off. <laughs> like like, like uh, one, of my, one of my mom's uh, nephews would say when he was a little kid, we're going to lick it all off. Eastern Kentucky, hello. We're going to lick it all off. We're going to get all the meat off these bones that we can. All right. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. And then when we're done praying, if you came today and you want to receive special prayer, uh, if, you want, if you're going through a difficulty and you're like, man, I'm a found person, but I'm bound up and I need freedom, I want to invite you to come up. If you're going through a difficulty in your life and you just need somebody, you're like, are we really better together? Yes, we are. Let's pray for you. If you're going through a difficult season, Okay, if you need some breakthrough in your life, if you're, if you're looking for God to open up a door for you in some area or something, or you've got a, a family member who's sick or you're sick or you just need God to do something, I want to invite you after I finish praying to come up here. Members of our prayer team will gather, we'll pray with you, and we'll ask that the presence of God would fill whatever situation you're facing. Let's pray together. Lord, God, I thank you right now that you didn't give up on us when we didn't know why we were existing. Lord, I thank you so much that you are patient with us on the journey. Lord, I thank you, God, that, that we don't have to look back in regret because that brought us here. Lord, it served its purpose. 
it it's been fulfilled. It's fulfilled its purpose and brought us to this point. So we don't look back with regret or shame or guilt. But Lord, that's, that's part of our story. And now we're stepping into a new season. We're stepping into a new assignment. We're stepping into a new vertical church. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, if you're a found person, you, 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 you're saved, you, you've, given, you've surrendered your life to Jesus, I just want you to pray right now and just say, Holy Spirit, what step do you want me to take? What step do you want me to take so that, so that people can be led to pursue the presence of God so that they can openly display your love, grace, and power throughout Hampton Roads. Lord, what step are you calling me to take? What step are you assigning to me to see that why grow in our church? Lord, we want to be the kind of church where lost people are getting found every week. God, we want to be the kind of church where found people are being freed every week, God. Lord, we want to be the kind of church where free people are being filled with your Holy Spirit every week so that together, God, we can openly display your love, your grace, and your power throughout all of Hampton Roads. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.